Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Granite Cornerstone episode number 15, Masonic Education and the Lodge. We are going to be discussing Masonic education, some resources, and how to get a strong Masonic education program started in your lodges. Joining me for this discussion tonight, we are joined by Right Worshipful Brother Steve Welch, the District Deputy Grand Master of the 1st Masonic District. Steve, welcome. Hey, guys. Good to um, see everybody here tonight. Uh, look forward to a uh, great evening. Also joining us this evening is Right Worshipful Brother Rob Anderson, the District Deputy Grand Education Officer of District Number 4. Rob, welcome. Thank you for having me here. I do appreciate it. And joining us uh, for what is, I believe, his second time on the podcast, Right Worshipful Brother Dave Ackridge, the Right Worshipful Grand Education Officer. Dave, welcome. Good evening. And as I saw in our first chat uh, from Brother Michael Kramer, it's a great day to be a Mason. So I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. I am as well. So we're here to talk about Masonic education. And I will say that, you know, I've been a Mason for about 13 years and, and certainly more recently, the, the topic of education has become very important from the Grand Lodge down. Uh, and it's something that is part of the the most worshipful's term plan and i think the the best place to start with any topic like this is to talk about what is education what is masonic education i know rob uh you you brought up something in our previous conversation uh you had a pretty good answer for that so why don't you do you want to start us off and share what your opinion is in masonic education certainly um if i may i'd like to go ahead and read a definition um, that I pulled <laughs> off of the internet. Just quick word for word here. Education is the process of facilitating learning or the acquisition of knowledge, skills, values, morals, beliefs, habits, and personal development. And I think that's just a really good comprehensive definition for what education should be, especially Masonic education. Uh, there is a perception around the word education uh, that is frequently negative, to be perfectly honest. Um, if I may, uh, I was speaking yesterday with uh, Right Worshipful Malcolm Wolf, and he was commenting that he has a very negative view of the word. And we discussed why is that? And I, I came to a realization of exactly why that is, and it makes perfect sense. Um, people who attended school in the 50s, the 60s, into the 70s, school was not necessarily about opening your mind and broadening your horizons. It was about indoctrination. It was about rigid format. You will learn this. And that leaves a sour taste in your mouth about what education would mean. Folks that have come through the education system more recently view it as a positive thing because it's a, a method of growth. It's a method of a method of expanding your horizons, which is what it should be. Yeah. I, so that's, that's exactly the reason I asked you this question first is because I think you had a very eloquent way to put it. Uh, any other comments on that, uh, Dave or Steve? I'll let Steve um, take a run at that because, uh, you know, he's, and it kind of leads into, you know, he's been in all three positions and he's done all of them exceptionally well. And I'd be curious to kind of hear his take on that matter. 
Well, I, personally, I, I love the idea of um, education in our lodges. Um, I know a lot of us probably don't do a lot of educational lodges. I mean, we've all been to those meetings. Um, and, you know, we open, we might read a few minutes, and, you know, we close. And, and we're, we're between opening and closing, we're there for maybe 45 minutes. I mean, what kind of a meeting is that? So I, I, I think we need to add more value to our meetings. Um, Masonic education would be great. Any type of program would be fantastic. Um, just Masonic conversation is, is a great thing. And if you can lead um, a short program, educational program, and then turn it into a, a lengthy Masonic conversation, I think that would be fantastic. It'd be a win for everybody. Um, it's great to know maybe where our ritual comes from. What's the background of why we do our ritual? Great Masonic education. And you know, Tim, if I might, I'm, I'm going to do some shout outs tonight because uh, one of the things we're talking about is how to bring it. And I would like to recognize some of the people that are bringing it. Um, and I, I can't respond to all of the active chats that are out there. I'm only monitoring YouTube on a side device. Uh, but I see Brother Paul Mahoney at Bethel South Hegan, and I can tell you that he uh, reached out uh, on a topic and it led to a 45-minute conversation, and I had the privilege of going and seeing his presentation. And, you know, he developed it. This wasn't something that education said, oh, you have to do this and you have to do it this way. No, he developed it. He did a beautiful job. And more importantly, it led into a discussion in his lodge. And it's my understanding that uh, uh, Brother Doug uh, Archambault is the Worshipful Master and previously a District Deputy Grand Education Officer. And, and, and Brother Mahoney is the senior deacon up there. And I know that John Vieser, this lodge has a good feel and they have made education a part of their normal monthly meetings. Yeah, absolutely, Dave. I mean, as we're going through this, if there's anything that, that you have experience with or any people that you wanna call out, please feel free because I think we need to hear these stories. We need to know that other lodges are doing these programs. And I think more importantly, we need to hear what those lodges are doing. Certainly, there are a, a whole stable of resources available from the Grand Lodge, from your district deputy grand op education officers and your DDGMs. But your other lodges in your district may be doing this and have great resources to share that are outside of that as well. So I think one of the things that, you know, sticks out to me over the last 13 or so years that I've been a Mason is, is very much the transition of education and, and what that definition encompasses. When I, when I first heard Masonic education, when I first sat through some of those presentations, they were all, and this is not, you know, this is my personal opinion, they weren't something I really enjoyed. They were very highbrow, they were very difficult to follow, and, and frankly, they didn't always have a lot of relevance to me in the Lodge. How is how has Masonic education in, in New Hampshire changed to make it more palatable and make it more accessible to the everyday brethren? Uh, I would agree, if I can field this one. Um, sure. There's, you're absolutely correct. There has been a tendency in the past of uh, a Masonic education program to 
to be highfalutin, to go straight to the esoteric, or to get very dry and start defining terms from ritual, where it will break down word for word, sentence for sentence, what the, the ritual is standing for, and that either one of those approaches can be very off-putting. Um, I think that within the, and I don't want to say the education committee specifically, but in general, the tendency was to get up and lecture of, I have information, I'm going to impart that on you. So here you go, as I regurgitate it out at you. And unless you're really enigmatic speaker, you're going to lose your audience. And that's just, that's it. Um, really with Masonic programs, um, there's two primary schools of thought. There's the lecture, which is get up, present information, then do a little Q&A afterwards. The other one is facilitate a discussion. And that idea of facilitating a discussion just wasn't there 10 years ago, nine years ago. And I'm not sure which point it started to shift over, but this idea of facilitation as the role of the education officer is definitely alive and well now. So that we stand up and we pose a question and we fish for answers and allow that conversation to grow organically. And that's one of the things that we talk about amongst ourselves of how to put on a good program of stop putting on a program. Yep. Right. And, and, and I think the other thing to, to that point is that each of us have our own journey. Each of our lodges have a journey. And so rather than myself or Rob or somebody pick a topic that we really, really like, um, it, it's better if we can meet the needs of the individuals in a lodge. What is it that they want? What is it that will resonate with them? If that is an esoteric discussion, we will go there. If that is uh, one of the old master's class topics, and, and actually coincidentally uh, yesterday uh, from a master mason, they said, you know, protocol, when, do you have a program? Well, of course we do. And where might you get the protocol? You're going to get it in the master mason workshop. You're, you can get it through a Cornerstones discussion, and you can definitely get it from um, uh, our Speakers Bureau, because quite frankly, there are a number of us that can do it. Uh, but the one that is probably as good as any I've ever heard is Right Worshipful Brother Bill Sawyer, who recently was added to the Speakers Bureau specifically on Masonic Protocol. And I think that there are many, uh, particularly our DDGMs uh, and our Grand Line officers that would say that the whole protocol um, thing has, has um, needs some improvement all over our jurisdiction. So yes, we have a program for that. I mean, what a great library we got now. I mean, we always talked about developing this speakers bureau and, and training people to be better speakers. And, and you know what, we finally have done it. And to get a program for your lodge, it's as easy as going to that bureau. And I mean, how many different topics do you have in there, Dave? I mean, it's great. There, there are over 50 topics, and as we were wow. chatting yesterday, 
listen, if there's something you want that's not listed, tell us and we'll develop it. And 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 while we have uh, uh, right worshipful Welsh that's speaking, I mean, I would like, uh, I know that he is a member of Tucker Lodge, and the master of his lodge on one Friday afternoon sent me an email, and said I would like to have the following topics, and I know he's on tonight, um, and it happened to be uh, right worshipful Troy Patwan's the relevance of Freemasonry today, and by Friday afternoon, that topic was booked. It's that easy. And it was a great topic. We had a great time. We had some open conversation, and and I mean, it was it was a great night. We all need more of them. Yeah, I think you know, Rob, you really hit something on the head for me, and that's discussion. Facilitated discussion is part of education. My lodge has, has never uh, had a very strong educational presence. We haven't had a huge educational program. But last year during COVID, uh, when I was master of my lodge, I invited Right Worshipful Brother Ackridge to come on. And, and Dave, you joined us for one of our early Zoom meetings uh, right there in the middle of the, the early stages of the pandemic. And you led a discussion that went on for, you know, probably a good 30, 45 minutes. And I think that that's something I hadn't seen happen in my lodge in a very long time. And it, everybody was engaged in the process. Why was that? because they were able to share their own experiences. They were able to share their own, their own thoughts on the subject. And, you know, to Rob's point, it wasn't that lecture style where they're just being talked at. Well, the topic that evening, which is actually very difficult if we can't get engagement is how to initiate a Masonic discussion in your lodge. And quite frankly, the outline for that topic uh, is on an eight and a half, 11 uh, sheet of paper. And, you know, it has some of the normal, usual things that you would do but quite frankly unless somebody in there uh comes up with a topic that resonates that we can run with i'm struggling and 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 they met the need and it wasn't i think you had allowed me 15 to 20 minutes but when you hit on a topic like that that they're able to engage with the 30 minutes doesn't mean anything they absolutely want to run with it. All right so you had a 30 to 35 minute discussion about having a discussion yes that's a beautiful thing it's a little meta but i love it i absolutely <laughs> love it but but here's the thing you know this goes to the this perception of what education is in this whole lecture format no 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 we all have thoughts we all have questions and and we were able to seize on a topic and and everybody was able to have a part that chose to have a part and and all of a sudden this uh you know, the, 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 the warm and fraternal feelings and the, and the cooperation and the courtesy and the listening and the active listening and, and, and whatnot starts to come forth. And, and once they know that they can do that, then you can say, okay, well, you know, I think I'd really like a topic on this or I'd like a topic on that. And I believe that um, uh, I've had an opportunity to be in Rising Sun now twice since then in person. I think the last time I went a little bit over the master's time limit, but uh, <laughs> Dave, I've never known you to do that. Well, uh, you know, we have some role reversal now. I, I tend to be the one that has to uh, get the hook. You you mentioned, Steve, the uh, how many items are there in the Speakers Bureau? I just did a quick count, by the way. There's 52 listed. Now, 
among those 52, be aware that in my name, there's only five. I have over 30 programs that I've written that I could brush off and have ready to go with a day or two's notice. Those five are the ones that I can do at a moment's notice. So when you look down that list, those are the ones that we're ready to go. We're ready to rock. If you if we walk into a lodge, we could do that. There's so many more topics that with a little bit of just a little pre-warning, we can develop. And you know, if you want something in specific, you ask for it. Um, about two years ago, um, Blazing Star Eureka asked for a topic requested, hey, can you can you talk about um the four cardinal virtues? It's like, um, sure. And went back and reread that section of, of the ritual and did a little research on it and put together a nice 25-minute program on it. And we had, uh, you know, I, I imparted some information, a short lecture time, some great conversation, some good discussion and uh, drawing some of the brothers in. And there we go. Wonderful evening. Wonderful program. Off and running. Well, I also would like to take an opportunity to do another shout out because I see Brother Lee Musikoff is on. And I know that he is um, uh, now the Lodge Education Officer over at Benevolent. Uh, and I can remember meeting him during COVID and he was uh, always present. He was always asking questions. And I know that he's getting support from the Lodge over there. And I know he shared a uh, presentation that he was going to do with the Brethren of Benevolent uh, some weeks ago that was exceptionally well done. And, you know, often I think that having a voice uh, from within the Lodge, not that we're not willing to do it, but having a voice from within the Lodge is also important because they have a better feel for exactly what the needs of that particular Lodge are. So, uh, Brother Musikoff, keep up the good work. Well, you know, that's that's an interesting point, uh, Dave, that you bring up. The Lodge Education Officer. What is it? What is the function of a Lodge Education Officer? And, and how can Lodges approach that position and, and really incorporate it into their roster of officers? Well, if I can address that briefly, um, you have you have a couple of choices. Um, as much as I love the idea of a Lodge Education Officer, I also dislike putting that pressure. Some There's too many lodges that have a hard enough time just filling their, their own chairs. Absolutely. So creating yet another officer position to try and fill feels daunting. And it feels like, well, oh, what, you know, instead of that, we really need a deacon, you know, or, or whatever. Um, an informal lodge education officer, I think, is a much better way to approach it to or two, to say this brother who doesn't have time to be an officer, we're not putting you in a tux, we're not swearing you in, but you'll work with us to try and create some programs throughout the course of the year. And that's, that's what your role will be. And you'll be the go-to person for someone to contact when they have questions about how to proceed with a topic and to kind of coordinate that. Instead of making it a formal officer position, make it an informal 
liaison position. And I yeah. think you'll get much better results. And I think the other add-on there is that often someone who might be inclined to want to do that, but maybe doesn't have the confidence yet, well, that's where we can come in and help. Um, we will work with that person. We will co-present a program. They can develop the topic. We can assist. And, and we can build that confidence until they're ready to go solo, if that's the right case. It really is that easy. So you're saying you're going to do a train the trainer program? Well, that's one way of putting it, but that sounds wow. too formal. But yes. <laughs> yeah, see, that Absolutely. sounds like one of those topics that I wouldn't go to. Train the, you know, you put that out, that just screams corporate at me, and I need to run away as far as far as possible in the other direction. Yeah. But I, I agree. I think that's that's an important part of this as well, is because not everybody is is equipped to stand up there and speak for 15 to 20 minutes i'll i'll stand up there and speak for 45 minutes to an hour if you let me i don't care what topic it's on just give me a Likewise. piece of paper but <laughs> at the end of the day what what is available to train those people who want to get involved want to be in front of an audience but aren't ready yet what resources are available to them well we are available to them uh talking with the worshipful master i see a comment in the uh the list over here how about lodge education officer as an assistant to the worshipful master absolutely that's a great idea of having someone who is that um that sideline person to assist the worshipful master and come up with ideas either for him or for someone else and just to act as that extra pair of eyes of sorts. Um, when they want to come up with a program, what do they do? If you have an idea, how do you proceed? Um, there's a couple of options. Reach out to any of us. We'll be happy to work with you. Reach out to any past master of your own lodge and say, hey, I... I, I kind of want to give a program on this. How do I do that? Reach out to your own worshipful master and say, I have an idea, but I have no idea where to go with it. And allow them to assist you in what do you do next? What's the next step? Uh, I was speaking with someone at a lodge recently about I asked him a question of what do you know, what bit of information do you know that no one else here knows, but they might be interested in? Can you talk about it for five minutes? Five minutes. If you have a little forewarning, can you talk about it for five minutes? Bam, that's your program. Talk about it for five minutes and then ask a few people questions. And that can spin into 10 or 15 or 20 minutes really easily. And there you have a program. Well, I think the biggest thing that we need to concentrate on is, is getting our masters out of that chair, come down on the level, do away with all your protocol. Let's have an open discussion and um, it'll, it'll just blow up. I mean, really, how well do we know each other? And maybe it's time we start to um, realize that we need to know each other a little better. Well, I, I think the other thing is that uh, certainly uh, through the course of our visitations this year and also um, 
with our LOIs, it was what are the resources? And we were very firm on that messaging. Uh, but it was really an ask. It was here they are. Now ask us and let us deliver. And, you know, many have delivered. And I certainly want to give a shout out to Right Worshipful Welch and District 1 because you know what? They have listened. And I can't tell you the number of incoming masters who have reached out to me and said, Dave, uh, I, I need a program here. I need a program here. I need a program here. And guess what? We're going to give it to them. And, and, and if I can segue into uh, Cornerstones, one of our topics one night, and this was up uh, actually, uh, 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 Rob, up in Proposition 47, and we were up in District 7, and there's an incoming master. And, you know, we were talking about the ability to help him with these programs and plan his year in the East. And, oh, by the way, there's a master's class topic for a year, planning your year in the East. Um, so we were kind of uh, bringing that to life. And it was like the weight of the world had lifted. He said, you mean I can sit down with you and, and, and come up with things that I want to do? Yeah, tell us how many. Tell us in advance. We'll put them on the calendar and we'll execute on those. So that's one of the messages tonight for any of our masters who are soon to be installed. And if you don't have your year planned out and you have some holes, uh, call us, email us, text us, ask us when you see us, and we will do it. Absolutely. I was just meeting with the uh, incoming master for Horace Chase for the next year, um, Brother John Glover, and he was a little concerned because he hadn't mapped out every every month for the next 12 months. And I was like, relax. <laughs> Do you have February's meeting down? He said, yeah, I've got someone from the Speakers Bureau set up for that. It's like, okay, I've got March. Do you have someone for April? No, work on April. And if you don't, I'm here and we'll go from there. And while it's great to have the entire year specifically pre-planned in advance, boom, 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 have them all lined up. That's kind of a, an ideal situation. Um, just having a few months and having a fail safe, knowing you've got someone that you can call on, find that guy in your lodge that you can call on. Talk with your district deputy grand education officer, whoever that might be, and develop a relationship with them so you have them on call. And then let everything fall where it will. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a very good point. You know, Planning out your year in the East is great and having everything from February to January or whatever year your year is, but flexibility is important too. And I think that being able to plan a couple of months, see how things go and pivot to the right topics and get the right communications going is, is equally important because you're going to have people who respond well to one thing. They may not respond well to something else and not being quite that rigid is very important. Yeah, a little bit of wake up call. Wow. Um, not being super rigid about your schedule is a really good way to be able to incorporate those learnings as you progress through your term in the, in the East, whether it's one or two years. So I think that's a really good point. And, you know, uh, hopefully an incoming master will have uh, a good sense of exactly what his lodge needs and exactly what his lodge will want. Um, and know what the culture is there. But that's always changing. That's always evolving. And 
as a master in the East, you influence what that culture is. So being flexible enough to say, well, this lodge had absolutely zero interest in anything in even remotely esoteric. That was even a bad word just to say esoteric that maybe after six months, maybe, maybe not, but maybe after a little bit of time, maybe they might be open to something, dip a toe in, not go whole hog into deep hermeticism or anything, but just, you know, maybe to talk about something that's a little more, well, esoteric. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, Tim, I see in the chat from uh, Brother Lothrop that uh, he says maybe this is already taking uh, place, but would running folks with a master's class or a few out, years out from the chair be helpful in building a foundational mindset for what resources are out there? Uh, and I think the quick answer to that is, is yes, uh, but that really morphs into our new cornerstones because our cornerstone certainly has all of the old master's class topics, which are all outstanding, and we also have which are, are presented now in a facilitated discussion, um, as well as Masonic topics that, are, that, that allow us all to kind of progress individually and collectively uh, in, our, in our, um, our journey in masonry. So the answer to that is yes. And certainly um, I know that we have also our Leadership Institute, uh, which will be coming back, you know, where we're specifically talking about the various positions in the Lodge. And, and as specifically to um, those topics, again, this is an opportunity. So in your lodge, we can, you can say, you know what? I really want to talk about, um, you know, the positions of, 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 of everybody in the lodge. And, and, and we can come in and do that. We will do that. I will do that. Um, and, and we can make it either a part. It's probably something that we might want to do a workshop on. Uh, specifically for your lodge. We can do that virtually or we can do that in person. You choose. So the answer to that is absolutely. Yeah, I think one of the things, you know, the old master's classes were valuable, but they, they certainly lost their way, in my opinion, a little bit. And I think the Cornerstones classes really kind of recaptured a lot of that. I think one of the important things is that preparing for being master of a lodge is not just about learning the business. There are so many other aspects to being master of the lodge and understanding education, understanding ritual. Those are all very important parts of sitting in that chair. And I think Cornerstones encompasses that a little bit better than the old master class, master's classes ever did. Agreed. Um, early in, I, I'm 11 and a half years into masonry. And in 10 years ago, I went to a master's class and was really not impressed. There were a lot of us there. I mean, it was a really great turnout and everything. And there were a few really useful nuggets of information, but it was kind of a dull hour and a half. I was like, why am I doing this? And I went a couple more times and was like, nah, I'm good. You know, at, at that point, I don't have designs on the East. And so, eh, nah, no, nah, I'm good. Well. In the old I, class, it, it depends on your presenter, too. Absolutely. And we were very fortunate in the first district. We had some great people that did some great programs. And I mean, it was invaluable to me personally to train me for my journey to the East, um, which was a rather quick one. 
but um, a lot of these topics you, it's hard to touch on in, in 15, 20 minutes and you need some time and maybe you do it through the course of a couple of meetings or I mean, I don't know what, what to say about that, but uh, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Well, I um, think I think Steve certainly my 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 um, I was in the first district for a while, and certainly your presenters over there did a did a great job. Uh, but my experience when when we moved to the fifth district, it was being rotated uh, around, and and the master of each lodge that hosted did it. And sometimes I tend to be too direct, and you know we'd have a little snack, and it's great to see everybody. But quite frankly, we were going down a checklist, and you know what. I need to do more. I I don't want to I don't want to spend my time doing that. Okay. Right. Because you know the, the goal was to get better. And so that's really where I, I know that um, um, our deputy grandmaster and our grandmaster and I were kind of on that committee. And this is how it kind of morphed into the facilitated discussion as being the cornerstone format. And we're going to continue to evaluate what works and what was what doesn't. Uh, certainly, the educational topics of the All Masters class are still very much a part of what our cornerstones are, but more importantly, it is about Masonic topics that are relevant to Masons and to the lodges within, you know, the larger geo group. And I, I'd also really like to give a, a shout out to, to um, certainly uh, District 8, because you know what, they're in the North Country and they're all uh, geographically a fair distance from each other. Uh, and the, the whole virtual for, format, they have ab absolutely supported this new Cornerstones format and they show up in force. So uh, I want to thank them for their support. And I think it comes down to this. And this is this goes for anything that we as the Education Committee do, whether it be the Cornerstones, whether it be the workshops, whether it be this. Um, you're making an investment of your time. And if we don't return and a return on the investment of your time, then we have to do something differently. And we right. want to. So we have a, another um, comment from Brother Lothrop in the, the chat. Uh, getting back to the foundation's idea, how about some programming aimed at getting brothers back into the lodge that have been away for a long time and maybe staying away because they feel rusty on ritual and being up to speed. I found myself in that position and that was and was lucky to find brothers to brush me up, but it was a big leap to walk into a stranger lodge and say howdy. So there's a key word in that comment, and that's rusty. And I, I think we've all heard of it. And I think you know we've all my lodge has certainly talked about doing it. We've never actually gotten around to doing it, but I think it's something great. A rusty nail night is is something that can serve a great purpose for getting brethren back in who may be either afraid to come in or uncomfortable coming in because they don't remember the signs, the words or whatever it is. And we can give them that education, not single anyone out and kind of make that a community experience. And frankly, there's guys that come every day who may be needing some of that information. So what are your thoughts on that? What's a, is it a rusty nail night? Is that an educational event? Oh, absolutely. And it's a fabulous idea. Um, I think it's, Honestly, it's something a lodge should be doing once a year or at minimum once every other year to try and reach out to all those brethren who have kind of drifted away. Invite them back with zero pressure to talk about those basics. 
that they're just they've forgotten because they're they're too far away from it. Um, I I'd like to go back briefly to uh, Brother Newberry mentioned that the old format of the master's classes was very much lecture and not discussion. And the cornerstones format that we've been working on is a combination of both with an emphasis on discussion. And that the, the emphasis is very much discussion. Um, really getting that discussion idea, whether it's from a master's class or a cornerstones group discussion or inviting the wayward brethren back into the lodge to talk with them, find out what have you been up to and, and just have that open discussion of what's going on in your life. We haven't seen you in lodge in two years, make it a discussion. Well, and I think the other thing is that often, you know, we know that there are people that life gets in the way and, and they feel the call to come back and that's good. But you know what, whether they're a new Mason or whether they are one that is returning, we have to deliver on the experience. And, you know, every time that we have a gathering, whether it be a stated meeting, a special meeting where we're doing ritual, which should be done well um, or anything, that, then we have to provide value. And I think that um, uh, one of my uh, personal experiences in, in my lodge is that there were some brethren that came back and they, they, they said, this is so different than when I was here before, because there was some Masonic discussion going on there was a genuine feeling of, of the most important thing was not the minutes. It was not the building. And I'm certainly not suggesting that as from a business standpoint that you don't have to do those things. You have to do those things. But that was not, that was not the emphasis. And when we, when, when we put the emphasis on masonry, magical things happen. Absolutely. And um, Brother Cumming, you, you're right. Those we we mentioned briefly that the, the those old masters classes were here's the topic check the boxes be done and go down the list and say these things and it was not it was not a successful format for that um it required for those to work it required someone to be a, a great facilitator and when there was a great facilitator, those master's classes were fabulous. When there wasn't, it became very dry and boring and just didn't work. Those topics are good. As you mentioned, protocol, trestle boards, how do you train junior officers? Um, how do you get up to speed with what is expected of you in any given position? Um, Ackridge mentioned the uh, in the East, you have to be more than just a, uh, a, a business meeting leader, but you also have to be able to do that. You have to know how to run a meeting. And if no one's taught you, that's not something that just comes naturally. Well, you're right. How do we fail what? people a lot because we don't train our replacements well enough. Agreed. We, we, we're in the seat that we're in, and, and we don't train the guy behind us, and he doesn't know what to expect a lot of times. And I think we need to get back to that. Um, maybe we have more than one meeting a month. Maybe one's a 
a short business meeting, and the other one's uh, some enlightenment. I don't well, know. There, there is actually a lodge in this jurisdiction uh, where fully half of their meetings are specials that are devoted to nothing but a program, and that's Burns Lodge up in District 8, uh, and they do a fantastic job. And since uh, Right Worshipful Coming is utilizing that chat, I want to call him out because uh, as part of the facilitated discussion that went on, we had a topic one night, um, and I'm not going to go into detail, but he was the district deputy grand, uh, deputy, district deputy grand master, uh, master at the time, and he spent a Sunday afternoon vetting in the ritual what, the, what this part of the topic was, and I happened to be uh, in lodge with him uh, some weeks after, and all of a sudden, he references this Cornerstones class, master's class that we were calling at the time, but we were really doing the Cornerstones format. And all of a sudden, he, he, he relates that back to the ritual. And guess what? That started an entirely different discussion. It was spontaneous. And so that's how easy this can happen when we get used to doing it. There, We've all attended, as you mentioned, the dry business meeting where someone will read the minutes. Um, there is definitely, I have noticed a marked change in lodges where they're not reading minutes, where they're not reading off every single item that every bill that needs to be paid and how much it is rather saying, by the way, there's some bills. They were approved by the finance committee. Boom. If you have questions, ask. Um, and you have to, you have to check a certain number of boxes in a, in a meeting, in that stated meeting, but you can cover most of those very quickly and then move on to something that's more interesting. Yes, we have to discuss um, which charity are we talking about or what's going on with the next breakfast or what's an upcoming special ladies event, and we've got to discuss those things in Lodge. But we also, equally as important, need to talk about something else. And every master needs to be reminded to incorporate that into every single stated meeting. Make sure there's something of interest. Make sure there's some draw, some reason to be there. Because as is mentioned, paying the bills and other business is not why we attend. It's the other stuff that we come for. So make sure that other stuff is there. Just yeah. form a committee and deal with all that crap on a, another night within the committee and you bring it to lodge and it's a quick, easy, this is what we recommend, yay, nay, done. Exactly. Yeah, so that's exactly what, as soon as you were saying that, uh, Steve, uh, right, Worshipful Brother Newberry was saying the exact same thing in our, in our YouTube chat. And Brother Lothrop brings up a good point. You know, my lodge uh, does what his... Uh, a lodge back home for him uh, did is print the minutes, make them available. And if there's no questions, you're done. Nobody yeah. needs to read them out loud. And I think one of the things that changed the stated meetings for me the most was budgeting usual and customary expenses. We yeah. don't have to read bills for things that we get every month, every year over and over again. And I think that's really important and allows you that time to open up your meetings to more exciting and, and interesting and Masonic topics. Exactly. Oh, and uh, Right Worshipful Brother Newberry also brings up a great point. Host your minute meeting, meeting minutes in Grandview. The 
functionality sure. is there, you need to use it. And, you know, that will get brethren to sign up for Grandview, which is something we all need to do. You see, uh, uh, Tim, we also have uh, Most Worshipful's comments. Yeah, yep. I'm reading his essay right now. Hold on. Yeah, I'm right there <laughs> with you, Rob. Uh, uh, yeah, while you're reading those, I'm going to summarize those because we come to Masonry for these three degrees and this Masonic experience. And, and you know, understanding what this ritual is is certainly a part of Masonic um, uh, education. And some of the, the, the protocols that we go through is part of, of Masonic education. And, and certainly there's a business aspect to it. We, that, that's life. Uh, but there's also the fellowship of a shared meal. It's, it's certainly in many lodges, community service is a piece of that. And so, you know, I tend to look at it as, you know, in order to have a good end product, you have to have all of the, uh, the ingredients to the recipe. And I think what we're really saying here is that whether, you know, you, you are involved in your community, whether you uh, pride yourself on great ritual, which is certainly very, very important. Um, but understanding that ritual is so key. Uh, and when you put all of those ingredients together, then all of a sudden great things happen. We all know that when you're missing an ingredient, uh, you know something's missing. You may not understand what's missing, but you also know you don't have the, the outcome uh, that you wanted. And that's really what we're here from, from, from education to say. And, and it's very easy for education to say education, education, education. And, and we will say that. But we also respect and we want ourselves to have the entire experience with good ritual and 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 the shared fellowship of meals and these other things. Uh, we want that. That's very important to what we do. It's a part of our history. Absolutely. It's we are here to assist, to guide, to facilitate um, Tony V mentioned the word influence. We're here to be a moderator for a discussion and to assist anyone who wants to know more about a given topic, whatever that might be, whether it's the inner workings of Robert's Rules of Order or the history of the foundation of the Grand Lodge of England, or, or getting into the um, Regis poem. I mean, we can do a lot of different things. Let's keep all of these in mind and make sure that something, some piece of it is being incorporated each month. Well, I'm going to call out, I'm going to call out Brother Vitoroso, Tony V, uh, because he's a member of Humane Lodge and he is a relatively new Master Mason. And, you know, I think he is the type of Mason that is um, evaluating what Masonry is before he comes to the craft. Uh, and I can tell you that he has uh, uh, younger kids. He's very involved in their life. He's uh, into soccer and he's not just attending games. He's president of the groups and whatnot. But you know what? He came to Masonry and he has immersed himself in the education piece. He's also an excellent ritualist, and it'll be really amazing to see where he goes because the environment at, at Humane has been such that they do have programs. They do take the extra step in their ritual, 
And I think that's one of the points that I would like to make tonight that's not entirely education. It's it, the difference between average and great is um, not much. You know, it's just a little extra effort. So one of the things, uh, Rob, that you said that really was that I think we need to touch on is you said make sure that you're doing this every month. But that doesn't mean you need to do it at your stated meetings. One of the things that, that you know, my lodge holds stated meetings and stated communications. Mm -hmm. But every single one of those stated communications is a degree. What, what, what would you say is a good way to, to incorporate an education night into your, your, um, your special communications? Um, special communications frequently are degrees. It's, it's absolutely true. And I think most lodges are guilty of that. Having a special communication for a specific topic, a, a specific, hey, we're going to have a special meeting that is about this. And we're gonna have more than one brother be there as presenters. Because if it if I'm there and you're giving me the entire evening, then it becomes the Rob show. And that works for some and not for others. You'd be much better off saying, we're gonna have an evening talking about, um, I don't know, um, say, what are the influences of some of the symbolism in masonry? And we're going to have three different people present on it and make that the special communication where you invite someone from the lodge who's interested, perhaps someone like me or, or, or Dave Ackridge or Malcolm Wolf or whoever as someone who, you know, one of the education officers, and then bring in your lecturer for your district and and have multiple approaches to this one topic in one evening that's how you put together a state a special communication that has nothing to do with business and is not a degree so you form multiple people talking around a given topic and allow it to come at it from multiple perspectives and I think that's a powerful tool that I do not see used very often. No, and I'd love to see it more. So now, one thing I about, would argue, if I can interrupt. No, absolutely. Go ahead. Every monthly stated meeting should have something. Yes. Even if it's just a short five minute, you know, even if it's a quick discussion about something, even if it's a hey, brethren we're all going to turn and chat with each other for five minutes and find out what did you do last week, get to know each other while in lodge, do something, make yeah. sure there's some piece that is either um, fellowship or education or um, have guys stand up and, and recite a bit of the ritual that they like. And I'm, I'm going to one-up you on that, too. Your trestle board should not just be a list of dates. Right. It should include these topics of conversation that you're going to have. So Absolutely. brethren can prepare themselves so they can get interested and be excited about coming to Lodge. Absolutely. Well, uh, Tim, I know that your, your Lodge, um, Rising Sun, has a 
uh, a lunch that they do on a fairly regular basis. And that's an yeah. opportunity just to gather and talk. And certainly over in District 5, there have been the, the dine rounds and we've had some uh, challenges. And I know District 2 was a part of it where there was some friendly competition. And uh, I know that that's been done in some of the Scottish Rite organizations. And that's an opportunity to include uh, family and just to get to know each other. Now, is that education per se? No. But you know what? When you know your audience, when you know what it is that they want, then you can deliver the education piece much better. And you know what? When you do the ask and you say, I'm going to do this because this is what I think you want, and you have this personal relationship, they're going to show up because we decided what we were going to do, not that we are dictating as the education committee or as the DDGO, well, we're going to do this and you should come. No, we're going to do it because this is our journey. This is our shared experience. And this is what we want to do. While District 2 doesn't like to think about those, you know, challenges uh, at some of our <laughs> dine-outs. Thank you, Right Worshipful Brother Tuttle, uh, for eating us under the table. Um, one, you know, you're right. Getting to know the people in your lodge, in your district, in other lodges around is very important because you can start tailoring. And I think that every lodge culture is so drastically different from every other lodge that you need to understand your own culture uh, in order to present a good program, because otherwise you are going to bore people. And hopefully as you start doing more and more programs or presentations or discussions, whatever it is, you can start to have that a little bit stronger bond and, and a little bit better communication. So before we wrap up, I want to talk to you about um, when education starts and, and to get to that point, I want to ask you, Dave, what you did yesterday. We had an entered apprentice workshop, and uh, this is this is an opportunity. Did I cut you off, Tim? I'm sorry. No, that's this is exactly what I wanted to right. do. Uh, and and what this is is an opportunity. It's not limited just to entered apprentices, but this is an opportunity to give them a foundation so they've experienced their EA. Uh, perhaps we we certainly encourage, as we all would, that they go and see one. And, and what we do at the EA workshop is explain some of the things that, um, that they experience, what the significance is, what the degree is. And there's an opportunity, not again, not to lecture them, uh, but to give them, um, to allow them feedback, to ask questions, to get to know them on a one-on-one -on -one level. Uh, and that's what we did. They get a piece of uh, Masonic, you know, our Masonic history. When did it start? Why did it start? Uh, a little bit about, you know, New Hampshire, and, and certainly there's even the ritual piece, which New Hampshire is very pure, uh, and we share with them what the resources are. Um, we actually had a mini book table, and all of the selections were appropriate for EAs, and so we're able to engage what their interests are, and, and I think the other thing is, is that, you know, uh, whether it be uh, verbally uh, in this type of workshop, whether it be by book that they have an opportunity to purchase, whether it be through any of the other several liberal arts and sciences, you know, this is, it, it's to ground them foundationally. And we have the same workshop now uh, for the fellow craft degree. And we'll be, we have one on the schedule and we will also be doing a Mason, master Mason uh, seminar. The master Mason seminar takes a little longer. It's about three quarters of a day. Uh, but these are the things that we're trying to do to ground them 
in understanding to get them off to a good start and not just, oh, I've done my three degrees, I've returned my catechisms, I can vote, I can hold office, life is good, and I don't understand anything. <laughs> right. right. Hey, Brother Lothrop makes another good point. I think going to an EA workshop for an older Master Mason wouldn't be a bad idea. Many of us didn't get all that 20 years ago, and I know I certainly didn't, you know, just 13 years ago. And some of those ritual pieces, you know, certainly I've, I've heard a lot in my journey through masonry about how they, they interact and, and what their past and their history is. But those kind of things are vitally important to understanding the degree. We talked about this in our ritual episode last month, that you need to understand what you went through. And it's part of mentoring to make sure that your new candidates understand that. So, you know, Dave, the reason I called that out is because I think those workshops are a great opportunity. And I think it would be very beneficial to invite your DDGO, your DDGL, and your DDGM to every degree. They may not be able to make it, but having an education piece at the end of an EA degree, just a short conversation about what just happened, makes a world of difference in the initiatic experience. It can, absolutely. But it might be better to wait till your next meeting to discuss what had happened to them. And yeah, they may be a little overwhelmed. They, they might be a little overwhelmed to gather some of that, but hey, at the next um, earliest possible convenient to sit down and, and have an open conversation of how did it impact you, um, it would be great info. And, and that's a great program for your state of communication that month after you do a degree. And right. I, I agree with you, Steve. I think that's that's a perfect time because, yeah, I mean, I don't, I remember my degrees, but everything that, that, that came after the, the degree was done was, was very much a blur to me. So, and, and, and certainly there are many an older Master Mason who have availed themselves of these opportunities, and it's never too late. And we welcome uh, all of that participation. And I want to make a pretty strong statement. Uh, and I know as I've, uh, I've seen some of the uh, chats and comments and participants on here tonight, I know that Brother Balaji uh, from the First Masonic District is on. I know that Brother Trey Kirkpatrick from Federal mm -hmm. is on. Uh, there are other newer masters. Uh, Tony, Tony V. Vitoroso is on. These gentlemen looked to see what masonry is before they made a decision. And we have to deliver on that experience. And they are coming to us with an understanding in many cases um, where perhaps Masonic education did, didn't exist. They come seeking that and we have to deliver on that. And that is certainly one of the things that, um, that we have to do and want to do. Yeah, and I think, you know, Brother Retsky kind of echoed that in that a lot of the new brethren coming in a lot of them know more than I do about Freemasonry because of the, the research they've done, because of the, the decision process they've been through. And we need to provide them the experience they, they expect and that they want coming into this fraternity. So, uh, gentlemen, this has been a great evening, um, and I think we're going to wrap it up. But before we do that, I'd like to give each of you an opportunity to, to share one last final thought on Masonic education and, and what's out there for our brethren in the lodges within the jurisdiction. So, uh, Rob, we'll start with you. Sure. Um, I cannot stress enough. If anyone wants a program in your lodge, be the program you want to see. That's how I got started with all of this, is that I wanted to hear someone talk about 
more about sacred geometry and no one was talking about it. So I did some research and I started talking about it and gave a program and it kind of went from there. If there's a topic that you want to hear about and no one's talking about it, do some research and, and start that chain of events yourself and you'll be absolutely surprised by how many people jump on board. Absolutely. Steve, anything uh, that you'd like to share? Yeah, I agree with you, Rob. I think um, knowing your audience, knowing your large members, if there's something they want to discuss, I think we need to discuss it. Um, find out what their interest is. Um, let's take baby steps. You know, maybe not everyone needs to be a Masonic education night, but, uh, you know, maybe somebody in the community. But um, let's get them what they're looking for find out what they're looking for, and then produce it. Um, brother and I, I want to wish you all, I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving, and I'd like to part by wishing you all a very Merry Christmas. Dave, final words. Okay. Uh, one, uh, thank you for, for hosting us tonight and give us an opportunity to message yet again. Uh, we've talked about cornerstones, and, and, and certainly we have now locked down the larger geo groups and when we're going to meet. I can share with you that uh, in January and February, due to weather, we are probably going to be entirely virtual, uh, which means that it doesn't matter which cornerstones is happening. You will have four offerings each and every month, beginning again in January. Uh, and while we were respectful of November and December and family and whatnot, we've had our educational offerings. We certainly had a wonderful presentation and quite frankly, it was virtual 32 people in attendance from across the jurisdiction on an anniversary lodge of research offering that occurred just last week. Um, and that was essentially a substitute for four foundations yet we were respectful of your time and this holiday season that we're all approaching. Uh, we've talked about our workshops. We've talked about the Leadership Institute. And, and I want to mention one other thing, which is invitational, and I don't want to, for it to sound like it is exclusionary because it is not. But if you have an individual who really wants to delve deeply, we also have something called Foundations of Freemasonry. Um, and that has been, and it's entirely on a virtual uh, uh, Google Classroom platform. Our DDGOs are participating in it as well as, uh, as invitations were extended at the beginning of this Masonic year, we will be populating a new class. So when we see you on Cornerstones and we see an interest and you ask, uh, when we see you um, um, at the various offerings that we have tonight and whatnot, then you're going to be asked and we're going to explore those topics a little deeper within foundations. But coming back to your lodge, we want to deliver the resources. We're not going to impose the resources. We want you to know what they are. We want you to know that we're going to be respectful of the culture of your lodge, and we're going to deliver those resources in a manner that is consistent with what your lodge needs and wants, not what we think your lodge needs and should have. So my last thoughts are just to say thank you to the three of you for joining me this evening. This has been a great discussion. I think we had a really lively discussion from our several chat platforms as well. Um, I know uh, Right Worshipful Brother Newberry is watching, so 
I'm going to post this up here. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for discussions here on the Granite Cornerstones podcast, please email us, granitecornerstone at nhgrandlaunch.org. Always happy to hear your ideas. And again, I, I can't thank the three of you enough for joining us this evening. This has been a, a great conversation, and uh, we hope to see you again. Brethren. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. And brethren, reach out to your masters. Masters, reach out to your DDGEOs. There are so many resources out there for you. You just got to use them. Good night.